Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. With all our focus on what happened yesterday between the Celtics and 76ers, we will get back to the NBA. What Boston's win means for them moving forward, Philly's loss means for them, and how the playoffs now shape up. But while you were distracted, there were happenings across the NFL, and we need to break those down as well with one of our favorites. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And we are joined by the great Dan Orlovsky, ESPN football analyst, Dan, always appreciate your time. Let's start with some Twitter drama, because who doesn't love Twitter drama? But Quinnen Williams changed his Twitter profile bio to defensive tackle for dot, dot, dot. And his last tweet is a retweet of Shefty with a contract of Dexter Lawrence. What are we supposed to make of all this Twitter drama? I'm shocked that you guys uh, have to experience Twitter drama. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that it's another example. That's just how the uh, modern day athlete communicates. Uh, Not only there's no such thing really, or it's very rare to have an athlete communicate privately or just in house. It's just the way that it is with athletes nowadays. Doesn't make it bad. Um, It's just the way that, you know, kind of things with social media have gone. I'll say this very clearly. There's a 0% chance Quinton Williams isn't playing for the Jets for the next couple of years. Joe Douglas, their general manager, drafted him. He's an offensive lineman at heart. So, uh, especially with Robert Salas' scheme, um, Quinton Williams is going to be a Jet. It's just when he gets paid, not if. No, I agree with you, Dan. And he's a major part of what they want to do defensively. 18 sacks in the last two years, 12 last year from their D-tackle position. It was just phenomenal. But I want to pivot to, you know, the San Francisco 49ers who – Sam Darnold plays for. If he's the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers the entire year, what kind of season do you think that team could have? Uh, they're still very much so NFC Championship contenders. Uh, I think for a couple of reasons, Harry. Number one, we all know the NFC isn't loaded. It, it's, it's Philadelphia. It's San Francisco as the one-twos. And then there's a group of teams that Seattle, Detroit, um, Dallas that are probably in that next tier all are gettable. I think the second thing is this. We, I'm not telling anybody that San Francisco is a very good roster offensively and the pieces that they have. But I'll focus on Sam. I don't think it's even a conversation. Sam is a more physically talented player than Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a good NFL quarterback. Sam is more physically talented. Sam has never, ever, ever been in a situation like San Francisco has with the play calling, and the people around. I would not be shocked at all if they won and Sam plays the whole season, are right there for the NFC Championship game. And two, he has a season similar to like Geno Smith did last year with, with Seattle and revitalized his name. Not, would not be shocked at all. No, and I will, Dan, I will go ahead and say this. I feel the exact same way that you do. And number one, I don't think Sam Darnold has been surrounded with the guys that he's going to be surrounded with in San Francisco. You mentioned the play calling abilities of Kyle Shanahan. I think this will be the best situation he's been in in that case as well. 
but also you talk about the athleticism. We got to remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, Sam Darnold and him scoring touchdowns from a rushing perspective was right up there with running backs in the National Football League. So the athleticism that he has in an offense that requires a quarterback to move a lot, I think is going to also be a strength of his, which which may not have been in the past because of the schemes that he was in. So let me ask you guys a question then based on that. And I'll just throw this out to Dan first, but both of you guys. What's the right way then? If, If you've got Sam Darnold, who you think could lead you, you've got Trey Lance, who wants the opportunity to lead you, and you have Brock Purdy, who did lead you but is injured. How are you supposed to handle this summer at the quarterback position, Dan, if you're the 49ers? I think depending on what Brock does health-wise, that's the number one starting point. How healthy is Brock Purdy? What does his elbow kind of um, allow him to do? And and I'm not a doctor, Jason, so like what is he – is there a fear of re-injuring this thing um, once you get into September, October? Because I do think that if Brock Purdy is all healthy, and Shefty actually said this, Last week on NFL Live. If he's healthy, he's the guy, right? Like, he's earned mm-hmm. that right and opportunity. But yep. if he's not, or there are fear for more future damage to the elbow and you want to take it slow, and it's a two-man competition, so to speak, at least to start the season between Trey Lance and Sam, it is very much so the open competition. Hey, And the guy that's going to go handle the, the offense and perform the best and value the football and go kind of be the point guard distributor – is going to be the guy. I just would say this. If if it's a legit straight-up competition and it's between Sam and Trey Lance, Sam Darnold will be the week one starter for Fort San Francisco. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think, you know, if Brock's healthy, he's going to be the guy. But you also, yes, you know, th- that injury, you, you can't just – you know, we're just going to throw him out there because we think he's 100% healthy. you got to kind of be careful with it because, you know, we've seen Josh Allen last year not have it severely as Brock Purdy did, but also we can tell he probably, you know, felt it game in and game out. You just don't want to put sure. Brock Purdy in a situation where his football career may be over because he's rushing back to things, especially when you have two other quarterbacks on the roster and you can slow play things. All right, so Dan, Absolutely. go ahead, Dan, sir. Go ahead, Jason. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Go so ahead no. I, I know we, we should move on, but I, I have a follow-up to this that I'll throw to you, Dan. Like, sure. what do you do if you're Trey Lance? I, I, I mean, I understand that, hey, you know, you just haven't had the opportunity, but does that if Trey Lance can't win this job, what's his future look like in the NFL? Yeah, it's not promising. I, I think his future is not promising right now, Jason. I mean, I go back to the draft in Tennessee, and I had thought if someone was going to go try to make a real move for, for Trey Lance, it would be Tennessee tying Rand Carthon, their general manager, to him because he came from San Francisco. Him knowing that Trey was potentially available and them not taking Will Levis in the first round, and, and maybe they called, I don't know, there haven't been reports that they did, and not trying to go get Trey doesn't speak well for what at least – the viewpoint in Tennessee and Rand Carthon has for his future. Um, if he can't beat out Sam Darnold, and I think the biggest concern when it comes to the on-the-field stuff Trey for Trey is it, living in the hypothetical world where either Brock Purdy's the starter and he's healthy or Sam Darnold and him compete and Sam Darnold's the starter. Since 2016, Trey Lance has thrown 417 passes 
in competitive football. So that's over the course of like 25,000 or 2,500 days, right? Seven years. It's impossible mm-hmm. to play good football and develop at that position during that time frame. You're talking, you know, your 18th year of high school or your 18-year-old senior year of high school to like your 24-year-old, 25-year-old, couple years into the NFL time frame. Eric can speak. You know how much better you get at football in that six or seven year span when you're yes. doing it. For him to have not have those reps, man, like I, I, it's really hard for me to envision him having a future in the NFL. Dio, I want to talk about another young quarterback, Justin Fields. You know, a lot of us are expecting big things for him. In your eyes, what is the ceiling for Justin Fields this season? Yeah. I, so, Harry, I think the ceiling is what Josh Allen's second season in the NFL looked like for like the last 10 games. Josh Allen's second season, the last like 10 or 11 games, he went 17 touchdowns, three picks, and really started to surge. That's what springboarded the third season takeoff, okay? That's what it looks like for me for Justin Fields. Justin, with his offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, Harry, you played in this offense, and this is not to knock anybody. I, I, I played in this offense. I grew up in it. Um, this offense over the course of 40 years in the NFL, has propped up quarterbacks. Quarterbacks usually play a little bit better than they actually are talent-wise because of the scheme and whatnot. We've seen it with many guys. So now you've got Justin Fields, who now can, in many ways, because of his talent, prop up an offensive scheme. Like, he's not going to only benefit from the scheme propping him up, but his athletic talent can prop the scheme up a little bit as well. And that's why I sit here and say, I don't think he's going to win it because the team will not be good enough. But Justin Fields will play like MVP caliber football. Chicago was terrible last year. They were in games because of him. And I think their general manager, Ryan Poles, has made a weakness in the offensive line, a strength very quickly. Um, the, the surrounding talent, Darnell Mooney, I'm not being a hater, like last year was the number one receiver. This year, he's the number three. The infusion of help and talent around him, I really believe is going to allow him to play MVP caliber football. Dan, as always, man, we appreciate your expertise. Sorry, we ran out of time for you to tell me why the Raiders are going to be the surprise team of the season. I don't know how that happened. Uh, appreciate you. Hang- <laughs> Just let me dream, Dan. Just let me dream. You've been dreaming a long time, about it. Oh, dude. dude just, I'm glad. Thank you, Dio. Now, appreciate you for you letting know them why, know. Now you know why I drink yeah. so much in the fall. All right, I mean, Dan. if you guys went into the NFC South, maybe, but. Oh. <laughs> wow. Both of us got Shane Orlovsky. Thanks. Hanging out for us. Appreciate it, Dan Orlovsky, hey. ESPN football analyst, uh, giving us the breakdown uh, and, and trashing both our uh, teams uh, on the way out the door. I don't know how I feel about that. All right. One Vegas team has actually lived up to their hype. Maybe finally they will become the team of this show. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Can't wait. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
from the top stories in sports. Guys, huge news over here. To the bottom. This is it. Rock bottom. This is 3 Up, 3 Down with Fitz and Harry. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Things are getting weird because it's time for 3 Up, 3 Down where we give you three things we're hot on and three things we're not on, right? And usually, Harry is a beacon of light in a dark, dark world. Usually, Harry's the one giving everybody all of the ups. Usually, Harry is the positivity you need in your day. But today is a different day, for we will switch roles today. I am too happy to be down today. I get the positives. Harry gets the negatives. And now you get to hear the voice of God give you a number one. Number one. Oh, feels so good. Play it again, Devin. Number one. You know who's number one right now? You know who's number one. You know who's number one? Oh, the <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, it wasn't that long ago that Evan said, I'm sorry, they're going to be eliminated from this round of the playoffs because they can't handle Connor McJesus. I get it. Connor McDavid went home. His season is over. The Vegas Golden Knights get a 5-2 win. They win the series four games to two, and they are headed to the Western Conference Final where they await the winner of tonight's game series, uh, game seven between the Kraken and the Stars. By the way, you can check that out on ESPN at 8 p.m. Eastern. Harry, it is time for this show to become Golden Knights fans. I cannot wait. I'm just, I'm, you know, one step at a time. But if this team goes to the Stanley Cup final, you bet your bottom dollar that you and I are going to go to those games. Woo. I, I love That's music to my ear. So I am rooting for your Golden Knights. Now let me get to my number one down. <laughs> ja Morant. For some apparent reason, he wants to try to ruin his career because he thinks it's cool to flash a gun on Instagram Live, to have the gun in a you know night establishment when he's on an away game trip in Denver. So John Moran is my number one down because he continues to have this pattern, this pattern of behavior that is not suited for a guy that's a superstar in the National Basketball Association. And I want a lot of kids that's younger to learn from the mistakes that John Morant is making. John Morant, you're an NBA basketball player. You're not a gangster. So that's my number one down. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good down to have on there. Let's go to the next number on the list. Number two. I, really, I could make this about the WNBA as a whole as it was a big weekend for the W. Uh, for anyone that didn't see Chicago beat Minnesota 82-74 in a preseason game in the WNBA's first visit to Canada. A lot of conversation as uh, Brittany Griner uh, came back in her unofficial return. Obviously, preseason, so it doesn't count yet. But if I'm going to pick my number two up, it's going to be, again, selfishly all about one, I don't know, Las Vegas, because there are two mega teams. There are two super teams this year. There are two undeniable teams in the W. One is in New York and one is in Vegas and last time I checked in the first matchup between both of them in the preseason, the Vegas Aces prevailed. I'm just saying the champion, defending champion Vegas Aces coming off their fantastic new training facility. If you haven't seen the videos of it on uh, social media, go look at it. Mark Davis put money in on that, doing God's work. Oh, looks like team looks good, plays good, comes out. They beat the Liberty in the opening preseason game feeling pretty good. Do you want to adopt the, uh, the show want to adopt the Aces? Maybe is there, maybe we go, we go all Aces uh, Vegas? Well, I mean, while we're out there for the Stanley Cup Finals, if the Las uh, Vegas Golden Knights 
make it, then maybe we can go to an Aces game as well. Oh, I'm all Two in birds on with one stone. I'm huh? all in on this. Yeah, like, and uh, I will be the guy this season that goes to the Connecticut Aces games uh, in my Aces gear. It worked in the WNBA Finals last year. It'll work again this year. So, my number two down is two people in one. I just mentioned two birds with one stone, so I'm going to knock these two out right here. Joel Embiid and James Harden. What in the hell kind of performance was that for a game seven for your team to go to the Eastern Conference Finals? My goodness. Both of the guys combined together. Eight for 29 from the field. Nine turnovers. Only 24 points. Not game seven material. And it's a shame. Fitz, I say it again. It's a shame that the mothers of Philadelphia had to witness the mothers of of the Philadelphia 76ers, the fans, had to witness what they had to witness from those two guys on Mother's Day. How dare they let all those mothers down? They're my number two down. Wow. Uh, Look, I love all of that, Uh, but I'm going to bring this back to positivity. Number three. Now, we could, you know, number three should go to all the moms. Had a great weekend, by the way, for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day from this show. But this show also... Especially all my breastfeeding mothers out there, too. Especially all the breastfeeding moms. Hey, yo! Kudos out there. Uh, All right, so this show also, though, has covered a lot of XFL. And if you know that, you know that the XFL championship game was Saturday night on ABC. Uh, We did a pregame show on Saturday morning. Uh, The D.C. defenders were the heavy favorite, came into the game 9-1 against the Arlington Renegades. And I questioned going into the playoffs why Arlington was even allowed in with a losing record in a system where a team that was 7-3 with St. Louis was left home. I thought the whole playoff system was garbage. And all I know is that Arlington turned around, not only won their division uh, in the first round of the playoffs, but then they go in and they smack the D.C. defenders around in San Antonio with a 35-26 game. The key to this game, I made the joke early in the season that Arlington was basically like the Iowa of the XFL. They couldn't score any points offensively, but they always scored defensively. Well, in this game, their defense again came up big as they get three picks off of Jordan Ta'amu, the offensive player of the year from the D.C. defenders. They managed to keep the running game in check for D.C. compared to what most teams have done all year, and they get a huge XFL champion, 35-26. Of note, this is the first XFL champion we've seen since the first iteration of the XFL because of COVID canceled the second one. So remember, uh, Tom Luganbill, when you see him on all of our coverage, has a big old XFL championship ring from that first ever season. This is only the second time we've ever seen an XFL champion. Congrats to Arlington, reminding us that four and six doesn't matter. They, it, what, what does Harry Douglas always say? If you get in the dance, you got a chance. Arlington took advantage of it, and now they are XFL champions of the world. And major props to Luis Perez for showing up and showing out. I think he threw three touchdowns in that game as well. Now, my number three down. And, man, I love this young man, and I hate to do it to him. But Clay Thompson, my goodness, can you buy a basket? Can you buy a basket? Three of 19 from the floor, two for 12 from threes, only eight points in a game six. You heard of game six, Clay. But I say no, not this time around. Klay Thompson had an opportunity right before halftime. The Golden State Warriors were down seven. He got a wide open look. Could have cut the lead to four. But instead, the ball goes to Austin Reeves. Somehow he heaves up a three. They go down ten. Then they tried to make a comeback in the fourth quarter. They went down 11. Klay Thompson got another clean look. Missed it. They got the offensive rebound. Pass it back to Klay for another wide open look. Missed it with an opportunity to bring the lead to eight points. Game six, Klay was nowhere to be found. 
and I hate his father, who announced his games for the Los Angeles Lakers, had to be there to witness one of the low points in his son's life from a basketball perspective. Mm. It was a uh, it was a forgettable game six for Clay for sure. That is our three up and three down from the course of the weekend. Uh, all right, we'll keep you updated on any other developments we have there. But after a game seven loss, we can't help but ask, nah, what's up, Doc? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Score at TD Garden, the Boston Celtics 112 and the Philadelphia 76ers 88. Are you planning to be the coach of the team next year? Yeah. Yeah, I got I think I got two years left. So as far as you know, my coach, I thought he's done a fantastic job. He came in. We've I think gotten better over the years. Uh, I thought he's done a great job. All right, baseball's in full swing. Get tickets to all the action with Vivid Seats. Plus, with basketball and hockey heating up, now is a great time to experience a game. Vivid Seats is proud to be the official ticketing partner of ESPN. From on the glass to in the stands, Vivid Seats has great ticket prices to all the games. Every crack of the bat, every dribble down the court, watch it all with Vivid Seats. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. That's how this show is going to try and go to a Vegas Golden Knights game. Vivid Seats. Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. The question is, what's next with Doc? Right? You just heard as we came back, Doc Rivers was asked about his future with the team. said, I think that we have a couple, I have a couple of years left on my contract. I don't know that there is an easy answer with what to do with Doc. And it's going to be easy today for a lot of people, Harry, to sit in front of a microphone and scream about what should happen. But I I genuinely believe this is a complicated issue simply because there's a ton of great productivity and then there's the glaring stats about being up in in series, uh, losing clinching games. They're all very real. So you've got a coach that's obviously done a very nice job of developing talent. You've got a coach that's made the most of the roster that's around him, but you also have a coach that hasn't particularly fared well in Game 7s as we know that or clinching games as we know. And this all makes it really difficult because right now there are big name coaches that are unemployed. Like most of us didn't expect Budenholzer to be sitting here. Most of us didn't expect uh, uh, Monty Williams to be sitting here from the Suns. Most of us didn't expect Nick Nurse of the Raptors to be like there have been big name coaches fired. And so right now, if you're the 76ers, you got to ask above me on the accomplishments. Do we have the right voice in the room? Well, uh, I don't think Doc Rivers should be let go, um, especially when you're a superstar player and Joel Embiid won an MVP trophy this season, and he has gotten better each year that Doc Rivers has been there as their coach. Also, um, allowed Joel Embiid to go more to his inside game with his back to the basket and posting up on the block where a guy his size should be. Not saying he has to live there, but where he should be a great amount of time as well. 
You know, Joe, Joel Embiid is such an exceptional talent. He can shoot the three. He can shoot the mid-range. He could play facing up. He could play with his back to the basket. But when you're that big and you're an inside presence, you want to be dominant on that block. And Doc Rivers has, hel- has helped, you know, Joel Embiid to see that. You don't have to just be a perimeter player at the size that you are. His assists are up. Um, and, and also, I just think, you know, Embiid's at a level right now where he trusts Doc Rivers. Um, more so than he trusted his coaches before him in, in, in the past. So I, I don't think he should be let go of his duties as the head coach. But I also believe – got, we've got to remember, man, Doc Rivers played this game for a very long time as well. And he's been coaching for a very long time too. And we also got to you know take into consideration some of those losses that he's had in Game 7 was against quality opponents as well. Like guys who had that dog mentality and was going to go get a win and not let their team lose. Yeah, I mean, you talk about what coaches do and don't do. And I understand their adjustments. We'll play that in a second. But I also got to remind everybody, 5 of 18 from the floor for Joel Embiid, 0 for 4 from 3. James Harden, 3 for 11 from the floor, 1 for 5 from 3. Like That's not Doc. I mean, shot selection in that situation, not Doc. Doc, like 5 of 18 for Joel Embiid. Now, that being said, Andre Snellings, ESPN NBA senior writer, joined us last hour. This is what he said about Doc and adjustments. Why was the offense kind of so rudimentary? You know, why was it so much throw it into Embiid? He's getting posted up 17 feet from the rim, and he's turning and and trying to, like, dribble into the whole Celtics defense to score. Why aren't we switching this up a little bit? Why why aren't we being more creative? We have other scorers out there. So those are the type of things that even before you get to the long history, you're like, well – Doc, I need answers for this. I, I need to know why this went down the way that it did. And then when you bring up the history of it's happened before, yeah, it gets to be a, a more difficult conversation. I, I hear that, Harry. I just think to your point, a coach can only – I mean, I, I'm saying Doc takes part of this blame. I think I've made that clear. But also, it, it takes that player that has that dog in him, right? Like that player that, yep. that comes out with the fire of the gods. And I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. In my mind, there are certain stars – that doesn't matter what the coach is calling, what the coach is doing. There are certain guys that we've seen take over Game 7s to say to hell with it. I am going to be the reason we win or lose that. We didn't feel that from any of the 76ers stars yesterday. Well, I will say this. You look at 2008, you know, when he was coaching with the Celtics and Paul Pierce and what Paul Pierce was able to do against the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? He was able to, you know, put his staple on that game and be that superstar player that got his team over the hump. What we seen yesterday from Joel Embiid, and they tried a couple times, you know, to double Jason Tatum off them pick and rolls, but guess what Embiid did? Just let him go right around him and get to his sweet spot and knock baskets down. Now, did they do it the entire game? No, but they tried to do it a few times, and Joel Embiid just – he wasn't there defensively. Also, Joel Embiid a few times was walking up and down the basketball court, and I'm saying to myself, is he tired or is he just that hurt? But even if you are hurt, you're out there. So no one wants to hear those excuses, but you also went 5 for 18. You had four turnovers in that game, and then James Harden only had nine points. He was 3 for 11 with five turnovers. So your two best players on, on your team in a Game 7 game to go to the Eastern Conference Finals didn't show up for you and had nine turnovers totally, but were eight for 29 from the field. It's just hard to win like that. But we can't sit up here and say, okay, Doc Rivers didn't do A, B, C, or D in a game seven where 
you know, they know what you're going to do offensively. They know what you're going to do defensively. It's just a matter of who players are the best. The Boston Celtics has the be- had the best duo yesterday, and it was not the Philadelphia 76ers. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum accounted for majority of their team's points. And guess what? Embiid and Harden didn't. I mean, that, if I would have told you on Friday's show – that we were going to get 11 points in 20 minutes from P.J. Tucker with some big threes early on. We were going to get 19 points from Tobias Harris, and you were going to get 17 points from Maxi, And you were going to do all of that. Maxi not as efficient as the others, but with a pretty decent level of efficiency. I think we'd have both been like, man, that's contributions from enough other guys at a high enough level that you feel pretty good about it. And the fact is, that was, that was nothing because the two stars didn't show. Fitz, let this sink in. Tyrese Maxey... And Tobias Harris outscored Joel Embiid and James Harden. Think about that. That just doesn't make any sense. Or let's just say this. Tobias Harris and P.J. Tucker outscored Joel Embiid and James Harden. Like, when you think of it that way, I mean, you can make any of these combos you want. I'll also say this. Joel Embiid and James Harden combined at 24 points. That's less than Jalen Brown had by himself, right? I mean, you start thinking about 24 points less than Jalen Brown had by himself. Your two superstars couldn't even equal the second star in this particular game for the Boston Celtics. That is, like, for all the conversation we've had about Michael on this show, for example, the best equation or the best way I can relate it here is this is the equivalent of Michael and Scotty both laying an egg in a a win-or-go-home game. This is the equivalent of Shaq and Kobe both laying an egg in a win-or-go-home. And we just... We just don't see that. It's it's a stunning result in Philadelphia. But, but, guess, but guess what? But guess what? We just seen a LeBron James in a game six in a closeout game, right? Have 30 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, but had the mindset from start to finish that he was not going to let the Los Angeles Lakers lose. I mean, what that is was your, not the mindset of the two players for the Philadelphia 76. You text, you text me right at the beginning of that Lakers game. You're like, LeBron ain't letting them lose. Like, did nope. we ever feel that way about Philly in this game? Never. Like, no. In a game no. that was close at the half, we never felt that way about Philly. That it, It's stunning to me. The more we talk about it, it is stunning the egg that two stars and a Hall of Fame caliber coach all laid on the city of Philadelphia in that game on Mother's Day. All right. One NBA star needs to make a major adjustment away from the court. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. One, two, three. 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 Three.
They won't allow you to do stupid things like this. Now, let me mention, I'm not calling John Morant stupid. What he did was stupid, though. Mm-hmm. It was a stupid act, in my, in my opinion. Three hours later. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I think the NBA world is still sort of trying to figuring out, figure out how to process an Instagram video that was out this weekend with John Morant. He was on his buddy's Instagram Live, uh, and it appears during the portion of this video that he was flashing a gun. Now, there's still obviously investigation to be done in this process, but he has been suspended from team activities pending a league review regarding a social media media video. This is a quote from the league. Quote, we are aware of the social media post involving John Morant and are in the process of gathering more information. I said this before. I want to say it again in case anybody wasn't listening, Harry. Important moment here. I've asked a couple of insiders, a couple of people around the league. Did John Morant do anything illegal and did John Morant do anything against team rules? Overwhelmingly, the answer is no. He's in the state of Tennessee where you can carry a a gun. That is completely fine. All presumption is that he has a permit to carry the gun. This is where people need to to stop, slow the roll, and listen for a second, though. When he went through the incident before, which was a violation of team rules, there are rules about having a gun when you're with your team, when you're traveling with the team, at team facilities, on team travel, all of these things. Uh, when, when When he met with the league in that process, the league made him aware at that point that this couldn't happen again. And if it did happen again, where he was showing a gun on social media, it would be a violation of the league's rule towards conduct detrimental. It's a really big umbrella, conduct detrimental. So for anyone saying he's not breaking the law, there's no recourse to this, I will just remind you that the league already viewed this happening again as something that would fall under the umbrella of conduct detrimental to the league, which he was made aware of. So if he does this now, he is, in fact, breaking the rules. As weird as that is, it's a complication I think people really need to slow down and understand when you realize the severity of what we're talking about here. Well, and I think when you meet with the top dogs of the NBA and the commissioner, Adam Silver, the first time around, right, um, and you show your remorse at the time when we thought he was showing remorse for what he had did when he was out um, in the Denver nightlife, right? The NBA in that shield and Adam Silver is not going to let John Morant make a mockery of, the, uh, of them. So I think when, it's, when it comes to, to the discipline, whenever they get to that point, that it's going to be significant because he's already had that opportunity and that chance to show everyone that he is going to stop the pattern that he showed beforehand. I think also when it comes to John Morant, I think decision-making isn't, isn't, isn't the best. And I think that's something that he needs to work on moving forward, his decision-making and also who he's around because who he's around is allowing him – for, he's a grown man, and he's making those decisions, but also they aren't checking him in making these bad decisions. And I think a real true friend in those moments would check him and say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Don't throw your, 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 your NBA uh, career away because of stupid things that you may want to do and think is cool now but really isn't on the back end or beneficial to your career. And, and you and I have both been very clear. We, we're lucky to have people in our lives that have had to do that, and I've had to be checked before. I, first to admit, there's a human element here. But to your point, I think it's also important to remember that you know, anytime you're caught with your hand in the cookie jar, whether you're a kid actually taking cookies or whether you're, whether you're an adult doing something you damn well shouldn't do, 
You can get away with it once, and you can say, my bad. But if yep. you go back and do it again, all of a sudden you're the boy who cried wolf. And, and whoa, Jadrian Wojnarowski, ESPN senior NBA insider, sort of referenced that this morning when he said this on Get Up about the punishment he expects. There was some leniency in that eight-game suspension with John ja Morant that he met with him in the league office. He took John ja Morant at his word uh, that he was contrite, that he understood that his behavior had to change. It wasn't just the gun incident in the club in Denver. It had been a pattern of incidences with John Moran that the league had spent better part of a year plus investigating that there was a, a pattern of really disturbing uh, behavior that concerned the Grizzlies, concerned the league, and that an eight-game suspension, it was really just two games retroactive, that he let him off fairly easy. I don't think that's going to be the case this time. I think John Moran is facing a lengthy, a significant suspension to start next season if indeed uh, that was a firearm in his hand now harry think of it you this. won't make a mockery of me uh, i mean think of it this way you and i get the chance to see each other sometimes at the seaport studio in new york right so yep. if we're seeing each other for the first time in a minute in seaport you're not paying attention i take a running start and i come up out of nowhere and i kick you in the no-no places i might be like oh man my bad i thought i thought <laughs> you were somebody else you're gonna buy that you're gonna be like look i love you bro like we're fine just don't let it happen again if a couple of months later I come running up and I, again, just knee you right in the no-no places, and I'm like, oh, man, no, I'm sorry. Like, I really mean it this time. And look. And consequences the, for your actions. Right? Like, <laughs> at some point, I, no matter what, if your jaw, if you sat in front of everybody, and this is one of the, 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 to me, the easiest to see things about our society, about America, about the way the world works that we live in. We live in a society where you get that time where you can stand up and say, man, I'm really sorry. I did the mm -hmm. wrong thing. I'm going to learn from it. We live in a pretty forgiving society once. But if you stand up and you take the Mia Culpa tour and you go all around and you hang out with Jalen Rose and you hang out, you sit down and you do all these interviews and you say, man, it's just not who I am. And then this flashes up a couple months later. Now everybody doubts everything. Oh, really? That isn't who you are? Oh, really? Fitz, I got to tell you a story. So the only time me and my brother actually got into a, a real, real fist fight is when he was with the Knicks, I was with the Atlanta Falcons, and he wanted to do something that I think was stupid and would have probably been detrimental to his career. We got in a fist fight about it. To the, that's how great of a brother I am, but number one, a friend as well, because I didn't want my brother to do something that could have cost him. We got in a fist fight, literally. And sometimes it takes that. When you are a great friend to someone, outside of him being my brother, it was also friendship and not letting him do something stupid. I, at the end of the day, Memphis needs to look around and say, what will send a message? If a suspension, if a $40 million loss from not making the All-NBA team, if those haven't, set, haven't sent a message, what will? That's what we'll hopefully get an answer on. What I know is the ESPN Radio will keep you updated all day. Thanks for listening to Fitz and Harry. Listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.